Well, let's get to work this morning. Uh, let's build our blocks. Our celebrity block stacker is Brady Bagwell today. So, Brady, would you come up here and help me out? We're trying to learn about how to build. And, and last week, we spent a lot of time talking about the D. And the D is all about deciding. So, Brady, if you bring that up for me, thank you very much. The D is about deciding that we make a decision that we are going to obey God and be encouragers. And hundreds of you did that last week. The L is what we're focused on today, which is look and listen. Watch people. Find out the good things. Next week, we'll talk about include. This is the nonverbal part of encouragement where you... um. You just tell people they need to be a part. The you is so critical because if you're going to be a great encourager, you've got to be willing to use a bunch of uplifting words. And then on top of it all, if you're going to build, you've got to be a positive person that sees the good in people. Give Brady a hand. He did a really good job this morning. Now I want to talk about the D just for a moment before we go on. And I want to share a a really powerful passage with you from Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Listen to what the wise man said. Words you say can mean life or death. Those who speak with care will be rewarded. That's powerful. What you say to someone could mean the life of them or the death of them. The King Solomon would absolutely understand this power. As an ancient king, he could, with a word, determine someone's physical life or death. If a king didn't like what you were doing, all he had to do is say, take him out. And so Solomon understands his power. And he says to us that power is found in your mouth. You can speak words that bring life to people, or you can bring death. You see, words are powerful. We grew up, many of us, with a very foolish statement. You fill in the blank for me. Sticks and stones may what? But words can never hurt me. That's an absolute lie. Words are some of the most painful things in our life. Often they bring death. Maybe as a child, someone said to you, you'll never amount to anything. Or or maybe someone said to you, you just mess up everything in this family. Or are you went into a certain profession and someone said, you thought you'd be good at this? And it's those kind of words that just bring death to us. But here is the really, really good news. You can bring life to someone. I love this quotation. Encouragement is the oxygen of the human spirit. Don't forget you are carrying someone else's air. So encourage them, help them to breathe. What a power we have. We all need it, and we all have it to give to each other. In fact, over the last few weeks, we've been remembering phrases said in our life that gave life that we cannot forget even after decades. So what comes out of your mouth is so important. You ever said something, and the moment you said it, you knew you'd said the wrong thing? Raise your hand. And you wanted to be able to shove it back in, right? But you just, you just can't quite do that. Today, let's learn about how we can speak words that actually give life. A close friend of mine shared this the other day. He had a son, different than his other children, that just was floundering in life. Things were just not working. In fact, it got pretty desperate. 
And, and my friend, all he could think was, my son's going to commit suicide. He just thought those things all the time. All the things he failed at in school, he wasn't athletic, he wasn't good at art, he wasn't good. It, 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 there were so many things, and he just thought, this kid's not going to make it, and now he's all depressed, and he's going to die. And, and the problem with that is those were not just thoughts, you know what I'm saying? When you think something long enough, they spill out on that boy. Then one day his wife's been praying, and she says to him, all you're speaking is death over our son. Why don't you start speaking what God thinks about him? Why don't you start saying things that would build him up and not tear him down? Just use the words of Scripture. This is how God said he was made. And my friend did, and his son changed. It's that kind of power. Let's look at that proverb one more time out of the paraphrase the message. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. And so that's what the decision point is about. And hundreds of you last Sunday, you chose to be obedient to God. So where do we go from there? We go to the L, which is a real key. It's to look and listen. You watch people. One of my favorite quotations came from the famous basketball coach of UCLA, John Wooden. Back in the 60s and early 70s, he was on a string of like 10 NCAA championships. Greatest basketball coach in college in in history. Now, now what was surprising about Coach Wooden is he was not real demonstrative on the court. He he didn't yell. He didn't scream. He he never, you know, seemed to get out of control. And, And so one day a reporter had the opportunity to interview him. He said, Coach Wooden, you don't scream. You don't yell. You got to help me here. How do you keep your team so motivated? Here were his words. I try to catch them doing the right thing. Wow, isn't that a change? I'm going to catch them doing the right thing. And Father, guys, for people that want to encourage, you've got to look and see those right things. If you want to have the biggest impact on your child, it can't be you blew this, you shouldn't have done this, stop this, I'm tired of you doing this. Oh, there may be a place for some of those words. But what they need to be inundated with are those words you go, wow, what you did the other day was really wonderful. You look and you listen. That's what's so powerful about Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, with the world on his back, noticed people. He noticed Zacchaeus up in a tree and said, let me do something to get me in a lot of trouble. It's going to bless you. I want to come to your house today. He noticed a centurion, a Roman, not a Jewish person. Again, trouble. And he says to the Jewish people, I have not witnessed faith like this man in all of Israel. He noticed when his disciples went out on that limited commission and cast out demons. And they come back and Jesus says, all of heaven was applauding what you were doing. Even in that moment on the cross where Jesus could have said, time out, i got to be selfish, man. I'm in physical, emotional, spiritual pain. He notices his mom standing at the foot of the cross all lonely and says, you know what, mom? I'm going to give you a son to take care of you. I'm going to give you John. And even beyond that, he noticed a convicted thief on the cross beside him and says what might be the most encouraging words of all time, 
Today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus noticed. And so it's, it's disciples of Jesus. We need to be noticing, watching. Now also, if we're going to be good at this, we've got to ask good questions and really listen. You know, it's so easy. I think we're, we're all tempted to this, to just talk about ourselves. I can't tell you the number of people that I encounter that you might go to lunch with and they, they just go in a monologue about them. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm there to listen. But, but what you might notice at times is they never ask you a question. Because people that are encouragers ask good questions and really listen. Not just superficial questions, but questions that reveal something. You, you don't simply ask, how are you doing? Because all of us will simply answer what? Fine. How are you doing? Just fine. You ask, how are you really doing? You don't simply say, how is your day? You ask, what was the best part of your day? You don't ask them simply, what did you think of the sermon? You go, what are you going to do to apply this message to your life? You ask, and then here's the really powerful thing. After you've asked the question, you, you honestly remember what they said. But I think of someone I pointed out in first service who is the best at this of anybody I've ever known is Bruce Chestnut. Bruce is always caring about what's going on in your life. I, I, I confess this to you. He remembers the date of my mother's death better than I do. And every year, he calls me and asks how I'm doing. You know the power of having a conversation, sharing something going on in your life, and someone calling you back a week later and say, you said the job wasn't going so well. You said your children weren't behaving. You said you're under financial stress. You said you're highly unmotivated to go to church. What's going on now? Are you any better? What could I do? So you ask good questions, and you listen, and you remember, and you follow up. Now, here's the deal, guys, which you've got to remember from last week's lesson. You must say something. You, you see, often our excuse is, uh, I just might not say the right thing. Remember the study we cited last week? Even if you awkwardly say the wrong thing, it is always more powerful than simply saying nothing. So, let's look at a passage that will teach us about this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. I love this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to love and good deeds. And if you grew up on King James like I did, he says, let us consider. I love that word. I love think of ways. You've got to be creative in how you're doing it. This is going to take some forethought. And then he says, let us not neglect our meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. I just went back to King James. As some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, friends, we live in, in days where we could say, especially in these days, we've got encouraged. Now, what's the point of this passage? Most of us have grown up with the thought, the point of this passage is, you need to go to church. And that is one of the points. 
These young Jewish Christians are getting discouraged, and they're starting to skip church, and it's showing up in their life, going back into sin. And he says, you guys need to get back to church. But here's what we didn't notice. He doesn't say you just need to get to church. He says, when you get to church, you need to build people up. It's not about you just coming in and being fed. It's not about what you like and dislike. It's about what you could do for someone else. What he's saying here is you could say something while you're here today that would motivate someone else to walk out that, those doors and be like Jesus and love people well and do good deeds. It's that powerful. So here's my challenge. Will you think about it? Because what this says to me is before I walk in those doors, I need to give it some thought. Before you walk in your office, you need to give it some creativity. Before you walk in your home after work and you're dead tired, you need to think about what you're going to say and what you're not going to say. So, how do we do this? Let's talk about speaking life. I love that phrase. Speak life. We'll get real specific about four ways that you can speak life. Number one, words that compliment. This is so simple. I really like that shirt you're wearing today. I really like your new hairdo. I've noticed that handbag. That matches perfectly. I noticed a comment you made in Bible class last week, and it was so on point, it blessed me. I saw that post on social media, and in the middle of all this negativity and political discourse, you said something that was powerfully positive. I noticed the way you held your wife's hand as you walked in the restaurant, and that touched me. I saw you discipline your child in public, and you did such an awesome job with it. So you just begin to compliment. I love what Mark Twain says. I can live for two months off a good compliment. Anybody believe that? I'm going to tell you about one of those I got from a brother Josh Roberts, just a few weeks ago. Next week, we'll talk about it. I'm, I'm still living off that compliment. And, and you can, I, I got one this morning from, from Marla Evans that just made me feel like a million dollars. It's that simple, guys, what we can do. Can I ask you, when's the last time you just outwardly, unabashedly, with no redundancy, like, oh, you know, don't get the big head, just complimented somebody, just compliment them. Number two are words of appreciation. This is about expressing gratitude. It's not just saying, I like something. It's saying, I appreciate you. Now, listen to me, guys. There is a difference between feeling gratitude and expressing it. What I found out the last few weeks is we think these things, we feel these things, we actually notice good things in people. Our problem is I just can't get it out of my mouth. It's just uncomfortable for some reason. It's like raising hands in worship, you know? Just a few minutes ago, Jeremy challenged us to raise hands. Man, I saw, I saw a lot of you raising hands. I'm not saying you're more spiritual or less spiritual whether you raise hands or not. But for many of us, we feel it. We want to. We want to lift hands to God and tell him how much he means to us. We want to lift up to him like a baby saying, Dad, would you hold me? But it's like there's these cement blocks, you know, on my hands. And they start coming up, and I start looking around like, is anybody watching? And sometimes I think saying these words is the same way. I think them, I actually would want to say them, but somehow it just can't come out of my mouth. 
Now, now please listen closely to this. Unexpressed gratitude is interpreted by the other person as ingratitude. They don't know what you're thinking unless you say it. I love what William Ward said. Feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a gift and not ever giving it. I think a lot of us have wrapped some gifts, and we need to give and let somebody unwrap it. Can I ask you this morning, are you consistently expressing gratitude for the people who've made all the difference in your, your life, for your parents, for your spouse, for your children, for your coworker, for your preacher, for your friends? Especially that second to last. I mean, are you, are, you, are you expressing that gratitude? Just saying it. And then number three, words of affirmation. Words of affirmation are simply telling someone what they are good at. I, I like this quotation I ran into this week. We are all born on the wrong side of our eyeballs. And we don't see what we're good at. Do you get that? Or sometimes I'm so insecure and so full of self-doubt that I can't see what I'm good at. You know, you ever been that way? But, but, but you can, and I can in you. Here's the most practical teaching I've ever received about how to encourage. Listen closely. You notice something good in someone else, that's the first part, that they don't notice in themselves and you point it out. You ever had someone just come to you and say, man, you are really great at that. I remember childhood memory. I grew up in the Capitol Heights Church on Madison Avenue. I was 12 years old. One Sunday morning, I don't know what happened, but they asked me to make the announcements. And I got up and I made four or five minutes of announcements, and I sat down, and those old people after church made me feel like I had preached the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, he's just like, whoa, man, you're really good at being in public. You've got a way of putting words together. Say that to people. Point those things out that mean so much. Words that say there's something special about you. You've got a natural way of inspiring people. You're so good at organizing. You're so good at decorating. You know, you just, you can take a thought a complex theological thought, and you can just simplify it. You're so good when I hear you teach, making analogies that bring things home. Your eye for design is incredible. I was pointing out Don Tarot this, this morning, one of our shepherds who's the architect of this building, and, and how blessed we are to get to worship in such a beautiful place because someone had that gift, and I'm sure someone along the line told him he had that gift. So let me ask you, what's the last time you said to someone, wow, you are really gifted in that area? And then one more said here, words of encouragement. You say, okay, buddy, what's the difference here? Well, when you compliment someone, when you express appreciation, when you affirm someone, basically that's about the past, okay? Well, you did a great job. That was cool. You're gifted. And, and that's powerful. The difference in encouragement is when you give encouragement, you are putting courage in someone 
about the future. You're not just saying that was great then. You're saying, where could that lead you? It's like that, you know, encouragement when I was 12 years old. You know where that led me? You may not think this is a blessing. It might be a curse. But it led me to want to be a preacher. And and all you've got to say is those words of encouragement that build someone up. That say to someone, you know what? I know you're thinking about this. Maybe you're going to this major. Maybe you're thinking about this job. And I've watched you long enough. You can do it. Or someone's going through a tough time. You know, it's right around the corner. Their, their parent is in bad health. They've lost a loved one. And you say to them, you know, I know this is going to be tough, but I want you to know, I know with God's help, and I'm going to be right here by your side, you can make it. Because like I said a moment, most of us are full of self-doubt. And we just need encouragement to face the future. I, I remember, and I'm sorry to, to share so many personal illustrations, but that's where I live, okay? When we were trying to decide whether to move to Montgomery from Pensacola or not, and, and I had swore to myself that I would never move back to Montgomery. And um, I, I, I literally, I can say this now 24 years later, I had nightmares that I accepted the preaching job at Landmark. And so um, I was trying to figure out whether we should move or not. And these elders here have been so gracious and like, you know what, buddy? We are so sick of fighting about silly things and reaching nobody for Jesus. We, we want to get on mission, and we, we, we would like you to come join us. I was so uncomfortable. I was so nervous and so insecure. Can I come back to my hometown and do something good? And so I called all my preacher friends. Every one of them told me, don't do it. You're too good of a church right now. Don't do it. Except one, my mentor, Joe Bean. And I remember this is crazy now looking back. I was, I was coming to a point I needed to make a decision. And so I, I was trying to find Joe, and I couldn't find him. Finally, I found out from his wife that he was flying on a trip through Atlanta. So I called the airport. They paged him. He said, I've never been so surprised. All of a sudden, he was paged. And he called me back. And I said, Joe, thinking about going back to Montgomery, you've lived in Montgomery. You know me. You actually know Landmark pretty well. What do you think? And without hesitation, he said, this is what God has called you to do. God has prepared you your whole life to do this. I lived in Montgomery, and my tenure didn't end the way I wanted it to. And I really, buddy, love you enough that I think you could carry on where I left off. That's just absolutely crazy. He's a gifted man. But it was those kinds of words that gave me the courage to say, you can walk into a situation that at least initially is not going to be that easy. And you can do it. And guys, we have the power to give that to people about their future. So let me review the four ways we've talked about of giving life. Words of compliment, words of appreciation, words of affirmation, words of encouragement. I've given you four options. I want to make this easy for you. Now, here's, here's our challenge as we close out today. I want you to pick a person in one of these plans, okay? I want you, and we're going to slow down right here to give you some time. Who is the person that you have thought these things about and never said it? What's something you've even noticed in someone at work the last couple weeks, someone at school, someone here in this church, even this morning? You've noticed it. You've thought it. 
Now you just got to say it. Or are you going to give a compliment? Or are you going to affirm someone? Or are you going to put some courage in them? Or are you just going to say, you know what? I've never told you this before, but there's something about you I just appreciate so much. Sorry I hadn't said it before. So right now, I've got my person. I need to call Joe Beam and tell him my life was changed because he called me back from the Atlanta airport. Who do you need to call? Now, maybe if, if calling or face-to-face is uncomfortable for you, text, email. Better yet, send a handwritten note. Boy, that means a lot to people. But I don't want you to leave here without picking that person in that plan. Because here's the really awesome thing about what we're talking about. The ironic part of this is as you build others up, your life becomes more meaningful. You got that? See, if you're not careful, you think, that's just for them, and that's good enough. But when you encourage someone else, the truth is you leave encouraged. Because most of our problems is that we're so enamored with ourselves, so caught in our bubble, in our issues, that we're miserable. And when you get out of yourself and you say something that puts a smile on someone's face or some encouragement in their heart, you're better. So let me tell you what we're going for here today. You ever heard of a win-win situation? Listen to me. This is an absolute win-win situation. When you build somebody up, when you begin to look and listen and you say it, first of all, they win. You could make someone's day like Marlon made my day this morning. They win. But here's the cool thing. You win. You can leave feeling a whole lot better. But guys, you know what? With God, a win-win situation is not enough. I want to tell you, you can have a win-win-win situation. Because not only do they win, not only do you win, but the kingdom of God wins. Because, guys, this is contagious. And in most places, it either goes on or it doesn't go on. You've probably worked in an office where it was just an absolute downer, where all people did was complain. And you may have worked in the same office or a different office where everybody lifted each other up and were working together. You may have played on a ball team where it was falling apart and everybody was just complaining about the coach and each other. Or you played on a ball team where they were actually on the same team. Isn't that crazy we say this? We just need to be on the same team. Well, you're on the same team. I see it. No, no, no. What they're saying is we need to be on the same team. We need to be together. We need to be pulling in the same direction. We need to be looking for the good and encouraging it. Because that, that third win is about a contagious atmosphere. It's about building a culture. And guys, let's just get down to brass tacks. You've been to churches where there was a negative culture, where you felt worse when you walked out the doors than when you came in. Because at worst, people just complained. At secondary, they just said nothing. They said, you came to church and nobody greeted you and nobody talked to you. And you just felt worse. We all know that can happen. But if we will do what God is calling us to do, we can build a culture in this church where you want to be here. Where when you leave, you feel better. Not just because everybody came up to you. That's not what I'm talking about. But because you came to other people. And it's a culture that it just builds. It becomes contagious. 
and we all start doing it. And we find life. So let me ask you one more time. I've got one more time later, but one more time here. Who's the person you're picking to encourage? And what's your plan? Can you imagine in this crazy, crazy, I'm not even going down this path, negative world we live in, if God's kingdom became the place where people found life, that we could say something to someone that no matter what goes on in our country, no matter what's going on in this world, we have life. The wise man said, you, 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 me, have the power to give life or death. Let's give it. Thank you for that one amen. That was beautiful. Made my day. Okay, let's get some life before we walk out of here. We're about to take communion together. And and in communion today, we're going to stay on this L block. Because communion is the place where you look and listen and you say thank you, right? One name for communion is the Eucharist. We don't use that name very often. Many churches do. But the Eucharist simply means thanksgiving. So the table that we're about to meet around is a place of thanksgiving. Why? Because we have noticed. We have looked. I love this incredible cross at the top of this building. And as you focus on that, it's a, it's, it's a place of beauty and celebration. You say, you're kidding me. How, how can a place of execution become something that encourages me? Because listen to me, what, what happened there. The place of execution became the place for the great exchange. See, on the cross, Jesus took changed places with you. Your unrighteousness was put on him. His righteousness was put on you. Your sins made him pay the ultimate price so you don't have to pay for your sins. So as you take communion the next moment, would you look at that cross? How amazing the power of Christianity that the symbol of death and execution has become the symbol for us of exchange and life. So look, and then listen. Scripture records seven things Jesus said on that cross. Let me give them to you. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How amazing. To a thief, today, you'll be with me in paradise. That's crazy. To his lonely mother, woman, behold your son. To his best friend, John, would you take care of my mom? To God, who has turned his back on Jesus so that he might never turn his back on you and I. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To the folks below the cross, I'm just a crucified Savior and I'm thirsty. Would you give me something? And one of the most beautiful words in all the Bible, in the English it's three words, in the Greek it's one word. It's simply, it is 
finished. The deed has been done. The victory has been won. I have secured your salvation. It's paid in full. And then finally, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Let's pray together before we partake. Lord, we are so thankful that um, before we walk out of this place, all we got to do is come to the cross. And Lord, we love that you can take bad things and make them into good things. And God, that we can look at this cross up here and, and see it as a symbol of victory. We can wear a cross around our neck and remind us of what you've done for us. And right now, help us to look. Help us to look deeply. Help us to remember what you did. And Lord, help us to listen to what you said, what your son said. I can't even explain how he did it. With people throwing insults at him, with spit running down his face, his back tattered by the wood and by the beating, and blood spilling out of his arms. He forgave us. So, Father, during these moments, may we look and listen, and may we leave encouraged. And, Father, we don't really know what to say to you. There's no words that seem adequate. So, Lord, help us to understand all we need to say. All you really want to hear is thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.